that I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. He's from the South. And uh, in the South, you know, when you have a Southern accent, you can make up basically anything you want, and it sounds really good. And so he said about distracted, he said, yeah, you know, the thing with distracted is it, it means you're being distracted. You're getting off the track. And I was like, I don't know if that's the exact definition, but I like it. Like, yeah, that's what distraction is. It's distracting us. It's throwing us off of the, the course and the route and the place that we're trying to go. And so for these next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about distractions. And uh, specifically last week, we kicked it off by talking about hearing the voice of God. We believe still that God is still speaking. He's a speaking God whose desire is to talk to his people. His creation wasn't so that he could just observe them, but he instead wanted to participate with us, have relationship with us. Are you with me? He created language. We see in Genesis that he was talking to Adam and Eve. His voice was in the garden. And so a lot of that uh, content and information we kind of set up in week number one, that, that God speaks. And uh, one of the things that we said was, um, if God can't, if the enemy can't destroy your life, if he can't get you maybe hooked on drugs or making decisions that are going to straight up destroy your life, what, what the enemy will do is he'll distract you. He'll get you so distracted, you never accomplish what God actually has for you anyway. Are you with me? So it just totally throws you off. And so we're actually taking two weeks of these four weeks to first talk about hearing the voice of God and hearing from God and what that process looks like. Last week, we talked about how you have to set an appointment. You make an appointment with God. You pick a place. You set an appointment and you go hear from him. It was interesting. I got a lot of email, uh, emails and Facebooks from you last week. Uh, people said, man, Pastor Josh, I did it. I, I made an appointment with God and I kept the appointment and I set a place and, and man, God spoke to me. They were like shocked. It worked. <laughs> like maybe most of you don't believe me whenever I ever talk about <laughs> stuff. But, but isn't it funny how when we put those things in place that God answers and keeps his promises of his word, doesn't he? And so um, I love it. And so I encourage you, go back and listen to last week and hear what God would say in, in that. But we're in a place, in a world of distraction. It's almost impossible. You're trying to make good decisions about life. And so maybe you're, you're watching the news and you're trying to make a good decision and you're trying to walk through what, what God would say to you, but you're trying to figure out what's true and what's not true and what's a spin and what's not a spin. And, and so it becomes frustrating. We only have so much energy. And so we're distracted by all the different things you can look at. We've also been put in a situation where it feels like we have to make predictions. Like, I don't know, in six, six weeks, two months, three months, what's this going to look like? What's that going to look like? What should I do with my bank account? What should I do with my time? Should we sell the house? Not sell the house? I don't know all this. Kind of, so we're like almost forced to make these predictions, which is distracting because you're always thinking about it. And then the conversations of masks and school and uh, there's turmoil and tension with our friends because some believe this way and some believe this way. And it's become such a tense situation that everything is distracting. You, you want to get away from this distraction and you move over here and it's like, guess what? There's another distraction. And it's so important for us to do like what Jesus said, I won't do anything unless the Father reveals it to me first. Unless I hear from God, unless I have clarity and direction from God, then I, then I don't want to make a move. And so that's kind of what this series is. It's like, Lord, give us clarity. Help us move through this distraction because we want what you want. And so I encourage you to, to jump in today. Uh, be note takers. Uh, get out your devices in any way that you can keep notes and follow along. I know a lot of people don't know this, but um, did you know that the more notes you take in church, it, it equates to a bigger mansion in heaven? I don't know if you were ever told that, but it's a good thing. So we're going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. I got, I think, about 17 verses I'm going to read, so just a little bit of reading, but it's a really cool story. And uh, it says this. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Everybody say under. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. 
there were not many visions. I told you last week that the word rare there was it was precious to them. When they got the word of the Lord, it was rare. So it was so precious. It was so highly valued to them. They protected it. They kept it. And so there's not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Everybody say usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Speaking of the ark of the covenant, the ark of the covenant was where God's presence was. Then the, Lord's, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here am I. And then he ran to Eli and said, here am I, you called me. So the Lord called Samuel, but Samuel ran to Eli. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lay down. Footnote here. He said, my son, because Samuel's a child at this point. And what I want you to understand about that is God speaks to kids. Can I get an amen? So don't wait for your kid to get to big church to start talking to him about hearing the voice of God. Are you with me? So he says, my son, go back and lay down. Then Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lay down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Everybody say listening. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. If you don't get anything from today's sermon, you do now know that the word tingle is in the Bible. <laughs> so that is there. But this is an awesome picture, and I've pulled four points and four truths about positioning yourself to hear from God from this story. Samuel did specific things, followed specific instructions, and it allowed for him to hear from and receive from God something that catapulted his future, sent him into what he was positioned for. And so I'm not saying everything in the Bible is a recipe or an equation for if you do this, this, and this, God will automatically do this. There's not perfect recipes, but I do know that God gives us pictures and models for when we follow these things, God moves. Are you with me? Yeah. So I believe we can walk out of here with four things today that if we put these four things into our life, God's voice will become louder or God's voice will become more clear and the distractions will fall. Yeah. So here's the thing about, about hearing. We see Samuel's in this process of, of, of hearing God, waiting to hear from God. And, and so here's the problem sometimes with communication is silence or no answer becomes frustrating. Uh, if you've ever maybe bid on a house, how many have ever, uh, you've, you've went to purchase a house and so you put in your offer and then the season of waiting happens. And so in the waiting, what does it do? It produces uncertainty. Got some realtors in the room that'll be like, oh, I'll get that deal done for you. You come see me. <laughs> But you, you put in your offer and you're waiting, and then all of a sudden you're kind of just you're just kind of like, I don't know, did we bid enough? Did we not bid enough? Did we do something wrong? Should we add this? Should we add? And it creates all of this uncertainty. Waiting to hear sometimes creates frustration. Uh, maybe you were in a conversation with somebody, and you proposed something to them, you pitched something to them, you had a conversation with them, and then all of a sudden you didn't hear back from them. 
You thought you'd get the answer. You thought you'd get a response, and then you didn't. So then you start thinking to yourself, did I say something wrong? Maybe I should say it a different way. Maybe I wasn't clear. And so in the uncertainty of not hearing back, you then start to get jittery and nervous and anxious. And so you, you want to demand a response. Are you with me? I've ever had that. Here's what I want us to get to understand as I'm kind of setting up this sermon. Sometimes waiting on the response or waiting for the direction or waiting for God to speak, even though it's taking time, sometimes the waiting is the best thing. Sometimes the waiting is the better than the result. I didn't say this first service, but a mentor used to teach me this. When you're waiting on God or you're waiting for him to do something in your life or you're waiting for your breakthrough or you're waiting for something and it feels like a climb. You're just climbing and climbing. You're treading the wine press is how we'd say it in church. Or you're, you're pushing the plow and you're not looking back. You're just going and you're going and you're going. But it seems like the mountain is so huge. My mentor says this, and I'm not saying it's unbiblical, but I'm, I'm not saying it's like I couldn't show you it in Scripture. But he said this, sometimes the size of the mountain is in direct proportion to the size of the thing God is building on the other side. So if God's building something huge in your life and he's putting something big together, sometimes the climb, Miley, is big. <laughs> Was it Miley? Yeah. Okay. It's big. It's big. And so, so sometimes I'm just here to tell you, like, if you're in the waiting, if you're in the process, and, and again, it, it's not maybe the most scriptural thing I could show you, but, but you just got to remind yourself what God's doing on the other side is so great. This faith and patience, and we hate this part, those of you that are impatient, you know, the number one word used with faith in scripture is patience. <laughs> The number one most used word with faith is patience. And so this faith and patience, they go together. Here's what I wanted you to hear about in this waiting, waiting to hear from God, waiting for his voice, waiting for him to speak and bring clarity. Here's the thing. Waiting brings clarity and clarity brings wisdom. If you've ever gone to make a big decision and you're like, oh, I'm going to go make this big decision. Maybe it's buy a car, buy a house, buy something. Maybe it's this big decision that you're trying to do. Usually you get in trouble or you make a bad choice when you make a quick choice. A lot of your best decisions were made when you took some time to get some understanding, find some clarity, it brought some wisdom, and then you made a much better choice. Sometimes this waiting on God and this waiting for him to give you the next step, maybe he spoke one thing, but you didn't get all the pieces yet. How many times in scripture did God say, go here and then I'll show you? Go do that, and then I'm going to do that. God speaks in chapters. We want the whole story, don't we? And in this waiting, this, this process where you can get more clarity, get more wisdom, and make better decisions. Are you with me? Waiting also does this. Waiting, I'm laughing at you because I'm like, hey, man, you're like, no, I hate this. Waiting, you're telling me to keep waiting. <laughs> uh, waiting brings appreciation. Waiting the process. How many have ever planned a vacation or you've waiting for this big thing that you're looking forward to? And the time along the way, once you finally get to it, you finally appreciate it. You finally get to the thing, the promise, you get to the place, and then guess what? You have such appreciation for it. I think the waiting process helps us steward things better because when God finally does bless us, we're not spoiled brats about getting it every. Are you with me? So it helps build our appreciation. I also think, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I think wisdom brings understanding. Wisdom or a waiting helps bring understanding. There's a lot of ways that I help people, uh, and I help people uh, by reading and by and, and by like information. And so I'll get I'll get uh, a lot of ways to be able to help people by studying and information and, and podcasting and all these things. But most of the time, where I'm really able to help people is because I can relate to them through something that I went through and they went through. Therefore, I have understanding about what they're going through. 
I have real life knowledge. And so in the waiting, in the, in the trusting God in the process, it helps build your understanding as other people go through things. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So don't be so quick to, to be, God, you need to speak now. You need to move now. In the waiting, great things are developing as we're waiting to hear God's voice. Most times right now isn't the right time. Write that down because you're going to have to remind yourself that. Most times right now isn't the right time. And I know you're resisting that, so I'm going to say it to you another way. Sometimes this moment is the wrong moment. We want it right now in this moment at this time, and it's not the right time. So we keep waiting on God for him to speak and bring clarity. We love to rush things. We do it by our own hand, don't we? That's why scripture said, not by power, not by might, but by the spirit when God puts our steps together. Are you with me? A lot of people say this to me, oh, I just wish God would speak. I just want to hear his voice. If heaven would just speak, you know, I would just want to hear him. Like, is he going to sound like Mufasa or like a British accent probably because that sounds smart, you know, like a good British, the James Bond guy giving you your direction, you know. But if I just heard the voice of God, it would be easy for me to be obedient. If God just spoke clearly to me with his voice, it would be so much easier for me to be obedient. Eh, that's not scripturally accurate. Because most people, when God spoke to them, they either ran from it or were more confused by it. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to go out here and say, pastor's preaching God's word is confusing. No, no, no. I'm just saying if you look through all the Adam, God spoke to Adam and he hid. Gideon was hiding in a cave and God spoke to him and he argued with him. Oh, no, you don't understand. Uh, I'm the least of all my. And so even though he got a clear voice, he argued. We see Moses. Oh, God, you don't understand. I have things that are hindering me. I'm not capable of doing You must have got it wrong, God. <laughs> Burning bush experience, and he's still a clear picture, and he's still arguing with God about what his steps are. Jonah literally did the opposite of the voice of God. I need you to go, and he's like, I'm going to go. <laughs> Just because you can't hear, it's not going to make you more obedient if you clearly hear it. Uh, people, it kind of drives me crazy at times when you know, the scripture says this, Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word, so the word of God. Again, I, I said this last week, but if I were to write a will to you, if I was to write to you my instruction, my word, I would write you a will. This is my will for your life. These are my words to you. Well, God did that for us. It's called the scripture. It's the Bible. So if you want to know what God's will is, his, his desire for your life is, you bust open his words, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is what God wants me to do, and we go with it. So the, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light on my path. You want clarity for the direction in your life? You want clarity to be not distracted? Start busting open your Bible. And so many people start going like, oh, I would just love for God to give me a revelation and a vision. If I could have a vision, if I could have an epiphany, if God would send me a burning bush. And I'm like, well, well what, is, what is the word saying? Do you got a word from God? Do you got a scripture that you're clean? No, I haven't really been in the word much. What? Bro, before you get big revelation, how about illumination? Let that word light your path. Are you with me? And, uh, Peasley, the only one with me, but that's okay. <laughs> we got to stop worrying so much about what God is doing or not doing, and we should be worrying about what we can be doing in this time. God's not speaking. God's not moving. God's not showing, and you're also not doing anything. We got to be saying, God, what can I be doing in this season? How would you position me? What do you want me to be doing while I'm waiting on your voice? So four things for you real quick. Uh, write these down. 
uh, four things for you to help you get clarity and, and, and break off this distraction. Point number one is this. You have to get under before you can get over. I'll explain it in a minute. But you have to get under before you can get over. Here's what we need to understand about God. <laughs> he is God. He's God. God is God. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. There, this is not a democracy. Do you know that like we don't vote with God? If God speaks, we do it. Do you understand? It's not like God's like, hey, I think I want to move this way. All right, cool. We'll present that to the committee and we'll take a vote about it, God. No, we are submitted to God. He's King of Kings, Lord of all, and we're all in. Are you with me? So what I'm trying to say is this. When he speaks, we obey. And here's what we need to understand. God uses leadership and structure to bring about his voice at times. God speaks through leadership and through wise counsel and through spiritual authority. You guys are like, oh, first he's telling me to wait. Now he's going to go into spiritual authority. Yes, I am. <laughs> and you're here in the summer to enjoy it. So God is God. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. We're completely submitted to his way and to his path. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. God will use spiritual authority to bring about his voice. I'll put it to you like this. Uh, how many believe we have authority issues in America? <laughs> okay. What we need to protect is that those authority issues don't become bleeding into the church. I think it's great that you can be entrepreneurial and you can find things on the internet and create and self-learn and do all these kind of things. I think that's awesome that we got self-starters and all this kind of stuff is awesome. I love the empowerment of being able to be creative and follow God, but not at the point of we're resisting covering and leadership and authority to go do things by ourselves. Do you know that there is no solo mission in the kingdom of God? Spiritual authority matters. Structure matters. Covering matters. And we put ourselves in a really dangerous situation when we go, I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I'm going to go do this by myself. You become to start to step into what I have no problem calling rebellion. And you guys remember that the scripture says rebellion is witchcraft. You have to get under before you can get over. Many times the breakthroughs happen when you've been faithful in the little, served another person's vision, served another person's thing, and then God gives you yours. Are you with me? So get under before you get over. I uh, got this book at the beginning of the year. So good. I, I don't normally refer books in a sermon, but it's by Pastor John Bevere. It's called Undercover. Someone gave me this in, in January and said, oh, you got to do this with your team. It's so good. And uh, we were going to do it as a book of the month, but we can't touch anything right now. So <laughs> I just have to refer it to you. But for Facebook Live, it's uh, John Bevere. It's called Undercover. You can pick it up on Amazon. But it says, why your response to leadership determines your future. My concern is that this generation has become so solo that their future, they're going to have no respect for leadership and authority and, and structure and order and process, that they're only going to be able to get so far without the uplifting of covering. But that was a good place to say amen. You guys are. Here's the thing with spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is not made to control you. It's not made to hold you down. Spiritual authority is actually made to empower you and protect you and guard you. Are you with me? And so pick up the book. That's as far as I'm going to go with that right now. But I encourage you that you have to get under before you can get over. Uh, structure matters and healthy structure is really important. Here's what I would say. Most of the time, we don't want to submit. Uh, we submit to what we want. We don't submit to what we need. 
Most of the time we say, oh, I'm in submission. And really, you're just walking in something you're in agreement with. Oh, I'm in submission. No, you're just in agreement. Submission isn't required yet until there becomes a disagreement. And I'm not talking about heaven or hell issues. I'm not talking about, oh, you submit and you let people walk on you and harm you. No, we're not talking about that at all. We're not talking about giving ourselves to a cult, right? I'm talking about the structure of governance and letting leadership lead you and grow you. That's why the beginning of this said that Samuel's mother brought him to Eli and what? Put him under Eli's leadership cover. Why? For his calling to come to pass, he was submitted to a leader. Are you with me? And I'm just concerned that if you look at some of the groups that are rising, some of the things that are happening and some of the things that are, we are living in a society that wants no authority. Are you with me? And they want no covering. They want no leadership. They want no structure. And uh, it's going to be dangerous. And so in our lives, listen, I'll say it to you like this. Submission, again, submission is not, obedience is not obedience. Submission is not submission until obedience is required. Otherwise, you're just walking in agreement. And I see so many people, you can walk with them for years and years and years. But until obedience and submission is required, you're just walking in agreement. I see so many people, they'll get to the headbutt time. And then they'll flake out and they'll run from leadership and authority and covering. And they've put themselves in a dangerous position. Everybody say amen. amen. Here's the reason why leadership, you got to get under before you can get over. Here's why it really matters. And here's why it's helpful is because it helps you get to the next place. We have no problem in our lives saying, oh, we want someone to handle our money. We'll get under that submission. We want someone to handle our health, our diet. We, we submit ourselves to the covering of all these other kinds of things, all the way down to mechanics, all these other kinds of people. But there's spiritual leadership that we need to have in our life to help grow us. The reason you haven't gotten over your ego is because you're not under someone who can tell you to get over yourself. These are the reasons we need spiritual leadership in ourselves. Because if we just keep going this way and going this way and no one can ever hold you accountable, then you're never going to grow. The reason you haven't gotten over fear is because you haven't let yourself get under faith. We got to get over we got to get under to get over. The reason you haven't gotten over debt is because you haven't put yourself under submission to a budget. All of these things, I could go on and on and on and on. In our marriages, we got to get under before we can get over. There's all of these things that are important for us. It's a spiritual discipline that matters. I'm just sharing in my life, most of the times that God spoke so clear and gave me that launch pad or that next direction into the next thing is because I just got in a position where a man or woman of God could speak clearly to me. They were a voice into my life. Yes, God has spoke many times to me uh, from heaven, if you will, or spoke to himself. Uh, but there's also many times that I'm doing life with spiritual authority. And they say, well, have you thought about this? Or I'm sensing this for you. Or I'm speaking this to you. And I say, yeah, that's it. One example for me is uh, there's a pastor, his name is Steve Muncy. Uh, he's at Faith Christian Church in Muncy, Indiana. It's a large church uh, down there. And they were doing revivals. And I still believe in revivals. Someday we should have a revival here. Um, but, uh, but these revival nights were really cool. They're in Chicago. And so I had worked a regular job. And then I would drive to Chicago at night and bring some of my buddies and friends I was in ministry with. And uh, I was struggling as a youth pastor at, at this time. I'm young in ministry, maybe 19 years old or something. And I was great at the relational part with the teenagers. So I knew how to hang out with them, play games, all this kind of stuff. But when it came to being their spiritual authority, really being able to kind of lead them, talk to them, influence them in a, in a way to bring about change, I was just their buddy. So I was struggling with, like, how do I get them to the next level, right? And so uh, one of the nights at the conference... 
uh, the pastor kind of had like this dinner for people. Uh, some of the ministers that were there, my mentor was able to get me invited to it. And so uh, some of my other ministry friends were like, no, we're going home. Like we don't, you know, we don't want to go to that. That's not going to matter. And why do you want to sit around with all those guys and just eat dinner? Let's go home. We can get food on the way or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay. So that night, Pastor Steve Muncy, he's talking, um, just talking. We're, we're doing like the disciples. We're just sitting around a table just talking about things of God. For some reason, he begins to just talk about, man, you got to get into a place in your ministry where relationship matters and you set up all the fun things and, and you create relationships with people. You know, but he said, you got to also get to a time where, where you, know, you click into the thing of like spiritual authority and you're, you tell them the truth and you don't compromise. How many are grateful for churches that don't compromise? And it shifted me as a minister for the rest of my life. Why? Because a spiritual authority was able to speak into my life, God's voice through him to me. We love all the big stuff, conferences, revelation. We all get excited about the big God speaking most. But sometimes it's serving in a ministry with somebody's spiritual authority over you, and they speak into you and nudge you and encourage you. Can I get an amen today? The good thing about leadership is getting under leadership helps you get over instability. You just, you keep falling and falling. You just can't get over that one thing and you keep falling, but you get around some leadership that they say, they're just, they got you. Say, we're going to get over this. We can take this step and they carry you. That's what spiritual authority does. Are you with me? And so you got to get under before you can get over. And the other thing that we see about Elijah or about Samuel <clears throat> is he was active. It says that he was under Eli, but he was ministering with him. So he was active. I'm here to tell you this. One of the ways God speaks and the voice is active is when you're somebody who's just active. We see Elijah was what? Plowing a field when he got called. We see that Joshua was fighting battles before the promised land. We see that David was serving in a field. What was it? He was active and then God's voice called him. It's frustrating for me when I say people say, I'm just waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord, and they're not doing anything. You can be active and wait on the Lord. And you'd be surprised that when you're in and you're active and you're doing something, then God speaks into the thing that you're actually active in. Can I get an amen today? I'm waiting on my ministry. I'm waiting on my ministry. I'm waiting on my ministry. We'll start doing ministry. You'd be surprised. You'd be in ministry. <laughs> Point number two. <laughs> Align yourself with God. we got to align ourselves with God. Uh, the scripture says that Samuel uh, was lying near the Ark of the Covenant. Eli's in his usual place. Samuel's aligned himself with God. He's put himself near God. You have to be intentional about how you align. Uh, Jess and I, when we want to have an aligned conversation, we don't do that when I get home and the kids are crawling all over me. Right? We say, hey, we got to talk about some stuff. We're going to do this later when the, all the distractions are gone, all this stuff is put away. Why? Because we want to be aligned. Yeah. There's nothing more annoying than when you're talking with somebody and they're just texting. And you're like, we're not in alignment here. So I'd rather go do something else. Or you're talking with somebody in a group and you see them looking over your shoulder at what somebody else is doing back there. Like, you just want to go talk to them because we're not in alignment here. Right? You're wasting my time. And I wonder how much God is wanting to be in alignment, but we're so distracted with all that. We're out of alignment. Yeah. Uh, many of you have ever got your car out of alignment. It just, no matter what you're doing, it's just pulling. It's pulling. Some of you are like, your husbands are like, oh yeah, our cars go out of alignment every time she hits the wall at Starbucks. <laughs> I don't know why it's pulling. Starbucks has like <laughs> rubbins racing all over the wall. I don't know, but we get misaligned. We get misaligned all the time with things that we, they're knocking our alignment off. 
We got people in our lives. We got manipulators, gossipers. We got compromisers. We got all of these things that are not aligned with God and they're knocking our alignment off. And so we can't be in a line. We got to position ourselves near the presence of God where those alignments don't get knocked off. Can I get an amen? We got to be active. Point number three is he stayed in his place. Scripture says uh, that he's laying near. Every time he heard the word of the Lord, he went to Eli and then he came back to his place. He had a place. The scripture says about Eli uh, that he had a usual place, that he was in his usual place and it wasn't working for him, was it? He couldn't hear from God and it wasn't, the voice was rare. He couldn't hear it. Why? Because he was just doing the usual, the same old, same old. He was letting all of the things misalign him in the usual place. But Samuel's saying, I want to be near the presence of God. So he stayed in his place. It's a lot of what I said last week or the last couple of weeks. Stickability is your greatest ability. He stayed no matter what everybody else was doing, no matter how low everybody else was setting the bar, he stayed in a place near the presence of God. Uh, I think we're doing a bad job in modern church preaching God's got a blessing for you and we got to go get it and we got to storm the gates and charge the mountain. I like to preach that way. Like I do like the advancement. I believe we go from faith to faith, glory to glory. But if Jesus never does another thing for us, he's already done enough. Can I get an amen? amen? We stopped preaching contentment. To be content in our hearts, the definition is a state of peaceful happiness. I believe we can lay in our place of peaceful happiness because Jesus has already done enough for us, hasn't he? The cross and the work of the gospel is already enough. Now, we contend for more, but at the same time, we live in a place of being content and we stay in our place. He was laying near and he heard the voice. What's interesting, to go back to the leadership thing, when he heard the voice of God, do you know that he ran to Eli? Oh, I heard your voice. Because Eli was a mouthpiece for God to him. And so leadership does sound like God. Why? Because God uses leadership to speak. Can I get amen? amen. So he laid in his place. I'll close with this. If someone can come play. Point number four. This is really critical. Point number four is this. You have to listen carefully. Listen carefully. Samuel heard God. We all know that part. He heard God, but he missed details, Right? He heard God, but he wasn't connecting what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, I've been learning a lot about listening um, in this podcast that I'm listening to. And they were saying this, uh, that listening is harder than speaking, um, especially for some of us who are speakers. But listening, uh, per psychologically, all the studies that they do is it, it takes more effort to be a listener than it does a speaker. How many of you have ever been in an argument and someone said, don't talk, let me finish? That's like the worst thing you could say to me. What? I can't cut you off? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> it's hard, right? Say, hold on, let me. And you're like, oh, you're just waiting. Listening is harder than speaking, but they say listeners become, by way of listening, listeners actually become the best speakers. So the person who lists the most, listens the most is actually the person most qualified to say the most. I'm just wondering with God, if we become in position in our lives, we stay in our place, we stay near him. If we become a per- people who spend so much time listening, God will raise us up to be the people who have the most to say. The best listeners become the best leaders. Uh, Disney Imagineering is a show on Disney Plus, and um, if you don't have Disney Plus yet, you can leave. But um, <laughs> we love Disney. But um, 
I remember watching the documentary about how all the parks were built and all the things that were happening. And one of the things that I noticed was how much money they spent just sending people to go get opinions and advice and listen. And so they're building the Animal Kingdom Park and they're sending tons of people to Africa and they're spending all this time there learning. What they were doing was listening because they wanted to get it right. When they finally stepped out and revealed what they were doing and presented to the world their thing, they spent so much time behind it, listening and learning and understanding. If we could be the church and the people that spend more time listening, tell me about your pain. Let me hear it. And we listen and listen. Then when it's time to speak, we get it right. Problem is, as a church, what we do is we just slap bumper stickers on everything. Oh, oh, oh we need a quote for that. Oh, get them with that one. We just slap all these bumper sticker phrases on all this stuff instead of listening. Here's what I would say. A lot of times your kids are messing up. Okay. So they're getting it wrong and they're messing up. And you know they're better than that. And you know they're more capable than that. And you know what they're doing is not even actually the issue. And so you go to your kids and you go, hey, you know, what's up with that? Why are you doing that? I know that is not the real problem. What's really going on? Am I making sense? So when all we do is narrow things down to statistics and categories and we label people into groups, say, no, look at the statistics. That's what they are. That's what they do. That's who they are. No, we should come in in a loving way and go, why are the statistics that way? How can I hear you? How can I help you? How can we make this better? Amen. So I think for us, we got to learn Part of hearing from God is if God knows we're listening at high, high levels, I think God will give us the ability to say things at authoritative levels. Can I get an amen? amen? Eli had the right intention. He heard a voice and he ran to Eli. He had the right intention, but he went the wrong direction. It's because he didn't listen carefully. He couldn't put everything together. So I'm just here to say... Sometimes when you even hear God or you get the first chapter of the book, but you haven't got the rest of the book, it's okay to spend a little bit more time listening. Joseph did the same thing, right? God gives him the vision of how he's going to rule over his brothers. Hey, guys, guess what? I'm going to rule over you someday. Like right intention, wrong move, (laughs) wrong move. And I think sometimes it's okay for us to spend more time sitting on it, listening, soaking in it. And then we find the right people to go share it with, speak it with. And because listening is a great ability. And I believe when we listen and we're great listeners, God gives us that power to be great speakers.